Dan, you're a YouTube channel, aren't you? Yes, I am. Interesting. As am I. And I can only assume that you generate income for yourself with your YouTube channel. You would be assuming correctly. Yes, I do. <laughs> as, as do I. We have yeah. so much in common. We're both we're both really good looking, and uh, we both are YouTube channels that make income with our YouTube channels. Yes, you've uh -huh. got it all right so far. <laughs> so have you noticed, <laughs> the reason I say this, and mind you, we both make money off of YouTube. Have you noticed anything different about YouTube lately? And then where are we at? Today is mid-November 2023. Uh, I'm just saying, have you noticed anything that like maybe I've noticed? Yeah, I think maybe it's uh well we're ramping up into that time of the year that us YouTube channels who are monetized, this is one of our favorite times of the year because there's a lot more ads and money being spent by companies to run ads on YouTube. There there's a lot of ads, man. <laughs> <laughs> wow and the irony of all of this you know i okay i'm a youtube channel uh but i also i'm a youtube consumer i watch a lot of different niches <laughs> on youtube and i am all over the place and gee whiz just to start a video on on whatever it is you gotta sit through like two unskippable ads anymore <laughs> yeah that is that is one of the um one of the things that there's a lot less skippable ads and i think it's just this time of the year like i mentioned there's a lot of companies spending the money spending their advertising money gearing up for the holidays and i you know they have they've been running those non-skippable ads oh wow a lot <laughs> you know and i want to complain and then i go well, what am i complaining for this is how <laughs> I keep uh, gas in the gas tank here. <laughs> yep. You know, but at the same time too, the the reality is had you and me not have a monetized channel, but we still have videos that people enjoy watching, it would have the exact same ads on it. Correct. Yes. In the same frequency and if they're unskippable, you know, or if they're mid-roll they're still on there. Yep. And that's the big change that YouTube put through. Was that over a year now? Where yeah, it's been it, a little over a year. It, it used to be just YouTube channels that did not meet the threshold to become a monetized channel. Those were the ones that could have ads rolled on them. Uh, now it's any and all channels have ads. Yes. Yep. Yeah. In the past, if you were monetized, if you were in the YouTube partner program and you were making money off of your videos, you would have ads run on them. But any other channel, you could just watch their videos. You would have no ads. But now right. it's everything and it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and people wow. don't, like, that's the one thing is a lot of people sometimes are under the assumption that the creator, like me and you, are the ones placing those ads and we just have a box that we check and it's, you know, are you monetizing this video or are you not? Right. 
And from there, it's all on YouTube. What ad it is, what type of ad it is, skippable, non-skippable, what it's about, that's all on YouTube. And I think the ads that a consumer of YouTube videos, like if I'm watching someone else's channel or if someone's watching my channel, the ads that they're watching are uh, determined by YouTube snooping on their own computer and their own search history, right? Right. And and somewhat to like what you have set up in your profile. Like, are you a male? Are you a female? Your age, your area, your demographics, you know, all that stuff comes into play. Uh-huh. If I have done a lot of searches on my um, computer recently for, I don't know, woodworking or or power tools or something, I'll start seeing more of those type of ads Yep. When I'm watching YouTube videos. But okay. that's but that's all over. Wherever you go on any social media platform, you're gonna start seeing that. You know, there it, it's gonna pick up on like your interests, what you've you know, what you've been searching for, what you've looked at, what you're you know, what yeah. you're connected with. Now, have you all ever right. clicked on an ad that you've watched before a video? <laughs> I I'm pausing because I am <laughs> I am pretty darn sure that I have never clicked on an ad. See, ever. I actually have. I've actually seen a few ads where <laughs> I was like, wait, that looks kind of cool. So I'll I'll click and then it will like open in a separate window and then I'll go back to it later. Like I won't I'll click on the ad and then I'll watch the video and then go, you know, look, explore the website or whatever it was. But I actually have seen some uh, things that were kind of like, oh, hey, that looks kind of interesting. What is that? You know, I want more info on that. I've kind of been reluctant to do it because I just always felt that I would just get avalanched in with <laughs> with with similar ads, you know, into my email and, and and all over. So I don't know. I just never I don't I don't know. It's just the way I am. I've keep reminding you that I'm very frugal. I don't buy a lot of stuff. So I don't know, maybe I'm not as susceptible to ads. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You are, I don't you know. just don't know it. Probably so. <laughs> I think what we all are, you know, I did a recent video on packaging on uh, my kindling, you know, and that the secret is not your product, it's the packaging. And I think that, you know, we're all, we're all vulnerable to that at some capacity, don't you? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that reminds me. I was going to mention, um, you know, a while back we had this whole conversation about bags versus wrap. Yes. And I watched your video, and if I'm taking away your main point of the video, which I think I am, it's that bags are the way to go. Oh, good heavens, no! <laughs> <laughs> I I remember you saying about the bag and the presentation and the packaging of your there killing was... was all, you know, that's the way to go. Yeah, the the <laughs> emphasis is on how I am selling this. So these are not being sold retail. They're not sitting on a shelf in a store. These are purchased. These are add-on sales of a firewood delivery. Yeah. So I think in that case, it doesn't matter if you can see the product. It matters if you can uh, see the packaging when it arrives. I think it's got a wow factor to it. Right. And if, if you arrived with that kindling wrapped up in saran wrap, it wouldn't have that wow. <laughs> I should start I'm, advertising saran wrap on my channel. I'm just saying that's just uh-huh. how that that was my takeaway from your video. So Okay. 
All right. Well, that's an interesting takeaway. <laughs> yep. But talk about takeaway. Someone's taken away the fall where I'm living. It's been warm and sunshiny and it is the temperature has not really we've only had a couple frosts but we haven't even fired up the outdoor wood furnace for the season oh my goodness what yeah yeah it's middle of november yeah <laughs> i know this is the latest ever we usually i i always say you know we fired up at at halloween and then it and it goes until easter uh, but this has been the latest and it, there is now you have an outdoor wood furnace too and we'll discuss all that but the general principle of it is to keep that fire going and in temperatures like this where the furnace isn't going to run all day long and only just kick on at night uh, i run the risk of my fire going out and it's just oh. a pain so we just we just wait until the temperature drops and then we fire it up and we just live with like space heaters at night yeah that uh -huh. striking a match and putting it by some cardboard is a lot of work <laughs> well <laughs> i well, back up <laughs> yeah okay i there is a convenience of or the inconvenience of having to light your fire again but i argue that it is difficult it is hard on the furnace because of i think of all the thermal expansion and contraction you know if the temperature is up to 170 or if it drops again to to ambient temperature, I think yeah. that's hard on the joints. And you can like start fatiguing metal and seams and welds and 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 your and the the pipe fittings, uh, <laughs> which are, which are plentiful. As you know, my my heat exchanger in the basement is holding back 150 gallons of water. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I always, I always find if it does warm up, I just end up I purposely put less wood in the boiler and then i might only have to fill it or half fill it like once a day but i started ours on october 9th and but see i've got a lot of wood that i want to burn up you know even you know as strange as that sounds as being a hobbyist i still have a lot of firewood around here to burn up <laughs> <laughs> that is a, a an un sung roll of your outdoor wood furnaces it cleans your yard up nicely doesn't it oh yes <laughs> <laughs> everything and anything goes in if it fits yep. through the door it's going in the uglies yeah. the the crotches the the scraps the bark the leaves whatever yeah branches that yep. fall off your maple trees everything goes in yes it's like a big vacuum cleaner <laughs> Well, it some I wish it would sometimes load that way. That would be nice, but it but yeah, it's it's just, you know, you I have so many like off cuts and odd shaped pieces and yeah. Throw those that's, in. Gone. That's how I heat my house with all the off cuts from my firewood production. And the interesting part of that is that's how I got into firewood was because of my outdoor wood furnace. Yeah. Let's Dan, let's properly define a outdoor wood furnace it the outdoor wood furnace works the same way as your vehicle your car your trucks heater it takes hot water and pumps it into your house if you have a forced air furnace in the basement you have a heat exchanger it looks like a big radiator and it slides into your ductwork if you have a boiler or a hot water heat 
your outdoor wood furnace would be piped directly in the it so that the water circulates between the furnace outside and the heat exchanger inside. Yes. So your outdoor wood furnace is a big tank of water. And that's why it's important to keep your temperature up. If your temperature, if your fire goes out and your temperature drops, it could freeze up and bust. And that's, and that's bad. Yes, that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have a firebox that's in the middle of a big tank of water and it has its own aquastat. So if the water temperature drops, it kicks the blower motor on or it opens the draft door, depending on what type of furnace you have. And it stokes up the fire and it raises your fire temperature or your water temperature back up. And if your house needs, if the thermostat inside of your house says it's cold in here, it turns on, in my case, a forced air furnace. It turns on the blower motor and the water pump on the furnace out in the yard. And it, it pumps water through the heat exchanger and the blower motor on my existing forced air furnace blows through it and uses the existing ductwork, and it fills my house up with warm water. Warm air. Yeah. <laughs> warm air, not right. warm water. Right. Yeah. And that's the one thing that a lot of people sometimes wonder, but like the water, all the, the purpose of the water is to transfer the heat from the boiler to your forced air furnace or whatever you're delivering the heat in your house to. And yes. that's, so that's what it's used for. And in my case, my pump that circulates runs all the time. So oh, that's wow. where if my fire goes out, the water will still circulate. And then if my temperature in the house drops below a certain point, my natural gas furnace kicks on, which then backheats the water. So it continuously, you know, that, that exchanger works the same way backwards. So, so your, your water pump is running <laughs> all winter long. Yep. Nonstop. Nonstop. Just mo moving water. Interesting. Mine kicks on and off with the furnace. So yep. as many times as your furnace inside your house kicks on, that's when my um, water pump outside kicks on. It just sits there and does nothing until it's needed. Does yeah, your furnace also heat your hot water, your domestic hot water? Yes. There's, a, there's another exchanger um, on top of my water heater. And that's the first stop. So the water comes in, goes through that exchanger, goes to the, you know, if there's, if there's a need for water, it like preheats it. So the, uh -huh. the water coming into the water heater is heated up by the exchanger. And then from there it goes to the forest air furnace, same thing, exchanger, blow air across it, take the heat off. So yeah, yeah. it's continuously running all day long, all night long. The water is circulating. But the water that you drink inside your house is not the same water that's heating your house. No. It's a different it's a different loop. Is that right? Yep. It's not yeah. they don't same as mine. Yeah, they don't they don't mix. Right. Because I think that would be bad. Some people put uh because if you <laughs> that was one of the um unintended consequences of an outdoor wood furnace was and it didn't really matter though because we never go on vacation in the winter time um, and my wife you know works for the school so we just we were just always home through the winter you just can't shut these things down and leave for the right. weekend um, but some people do and they will put just antifreeze in there so that the water will not freeze up 
the danger though is your domestic hot water if you spring a leak inside it could commingle and somehow that poison could get into your drinking water uh, other people i know have used food grade glycol in them yep uh, just for that very reason but at least in our case we uh we just it just goes we never leave anywhere in the winter time yeah we did and my only concern is if the power goes out because like i said if the fire goes out the water still circulates so less of a chance of freezing but if the power goes out then everything comes to a stop and then i could potentially run the risk of you know freezing up yeah well if our power goes out i can manage it on my own to keep the fire going however uh, because one of my hobbies is solar i have a solar backup system that's also wired to it so it will run the blower motor and the water pump on my outdoor wood furnace and my blower motor inside the house in the forest air furnace so we can oh. still have uh we can still have heat as nice. long as the sun's shining <laughs> yeah I, I was i was referring to if we were gone and the power went out and the ah, yes. went out. yeah that's yeah right. i'm with you yeah, yeah i'm with you now uh-huh yeah so I think that the outdoor wood furnace is one of the greatest inventions of all time, but I think it's one of the most inefficient inventions <laughs> in the history of the world. <laughs> they are, there cannot be a more inefficient machine. And if it well, weren't for the fact that wood is, at least for me, wood is free and plentiful, um, you know, it, it makes you, it would make you second guess your decision. Yeah. And, and that's why when you see like advertisements for like the newer outdoor wood furnaces that are, you know, they claim to be like 40 to 50% more efficient yeah. than the older models. But while that sounds good, that still isn't, isn't that great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I don't know. I, I guess I haven't ever you know used one, but it's yeah. just, they I, need I a think, lot of wood. <laughs> so outdoor wood so you know there's all different terms outdoor wood boiler that's where my initials owb came from by the way different story outdoor wood furnace um some people i did a video on mine and people were really annoyed that i was calling it a furnace they said it's a boiler but i show the sticker right on the side of it it's called they call it a, a, a furnace <laughs> um, mine is made by hardy uh, which is from mississippi but they're out of business uh, but mine is Ooh. all stainless steel and it's all made with your analog things that you can get at any hardware store so i feel pretty good about that but mine is probably the most inefficient of all of them it's the king of inefficiency all of the other inefficient furnaces look up to mine uh, <laughs> you will watch it with the flame just shooting straight out of the smokestack um and then you know i went cheap on my pipe insulation underground and all the snows melted off the ground <laughs> oh. yeah the, <laughs> all of the worms gravitate to there and they, they have a nice warm winter uh all year just very inefficient how how deep is your line buried well i think it's three feet but when i was installing it so that you know you got your it's the product the lines are called pex it's like yep. that real hard plastic yes and at that time it was eleven dollars a foot to have four pex lines encased in this hard plastic and it's insulated and it have like your electrical your uh, romex going into it 
I was like, I'm not spending that much money. I'll make my own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now I look at it. They're like 20 ish dollars a foot now for the same stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's where I didn't, I didn't skimp. I went with the heaviest, most insulated pack tube of pecs I could get. And we buried it, I think five feet down and. Oh, wow. I don't think I lose much heat coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do. <laughs> but that being said, our house is as warm as toast in the wintertime. We oh, have yeah. complete disregard for the thermostat. We have the hottest shower in Northeast Ohio. Our shower <laughs> is awesome. Just nonstop hot water. What a great shower. But that was the... You know, because before we had this, we would keep the thermostat real down. We'd freeze to death in here. We'd make the kids do jumping jacks because they're complaining how cold it was. <laughs> Pro, we're on, we're not on the gas line out here, so we had propane heat. And once we had this outdoor wood furnace, I don't care if it uses more wood. I crank it up. We keep this house as warm as we want. That's the way. It's like my present to myself. You know, because it is a yeah. lot of work, a lot of work, and it's a daily chore. Uh, and I'm going to enjoy it. That's right. How, yeah. how, how long have you had that furnace or that boiler, whatever you want to call it? <laughs> yeah. Ours was put in the fall of 2006. So okay. that's I some serious, that some serious <laughs> math there. I can spell numbers, but I can't. So what? 17 years. Yeah. Sounds about right. Holy moly's. Uh huh. And our gas bill all for all of those years has been zero. Yeah. Zero. You know, zero we down. have a, we have a propane tank on the side of the house just for emergency, but that thing hasn't been touched. And I don't know, does propane expire? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How long are have you, you had yours? Uh, this will be my, I believe 11th season. Uh huh. But I always wonder of, what the lifespan of these things really are. I get worried. Well, the lady I bought my furnace off of, uh, Mrs. Shadle, she's up in Cherry Valley. When I bought mine in 2006, hers was 22 years old. Oh, And wow. she is still using hers. Now, Hardys are built different. They're stainless. They're hardy. Uh, you don't, yeah, you don't have to treat the water. Um. <laughs> There's been, you know, I've had like those, the grates, I've talked about them. I break one of those once a year, uh, but I shouldn't talk because I haven't fired it up yet for the year. <laughs> that was my next nice question. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's waiting on me here, that what's not going to work when I turn it on for the first time this year. <laughs> when do you think that's going to be? Uh, I think I might do it this week. We have another warm week. It's supposed to be 60 on Saturday. Oh, yeah, but it is getting cold at night, and and then the rain's starting to come in with all this warm weather. And I don't know, just I have started mine up once, you know, for the year in the rain, and it's an all day event. You just can't go out there and just light your fire and go. Um, I bring it's an all day event. You know, we bring the temperature up slowly because it's going from like the water's probably at forty degrees, and you're going to heat it up to one seventy, and then turn on the pump. Things are going to break, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just make it an all day event. I'll bring it up about 20 degrees and I'd shut everything off and let the heat soak. And then another hour I'll go out and do it again. 
Oh, wow. I just, yeah. I light mine and flip the switch and. Done. Oh, wow. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it's the only one I got. And I have already committed, I think, once, if and when this thing breaks or I break. <laughs> Whichever comes first. <laughs> yeah, I I would not buy another one. Um, oh. I wouldn't because it's, it's, it's a lot of work. And now the prices of these things are crazy. Yeah. They'd have to be a long-term investment. And we're talking you know, right now with the kids are both in college. This house is just too big for us. If I could have spoke, if I could speak to my younger self, I would say, don't buy a big house. And then, you know, don't buy a two-story house either. I saw what it stairs do to my, to do to my parents when they got older, you know? Yep. Oh yeah. yeah. So I probably wouldn't replace it. Um, and I don't know. It, it's brought so much joy to my life though. I'd hate to not do it again, but I think there comes a time when, you know, and you probably feel it too. Come March. Don't you get tired of feeding that thing? <laughs> well, not really. Actually, I, uh, I kind of enjoy it and I'm, I've actually contemplated running it year round. Just, Oh, wow. You know, not burning as much and not having to fill up so often in the summer, obviously, but yeah, I'm, uh -huh. I'm getting to that point now where I'm, I'm like worried something's going to happen. Something's going to go out on it. And then I'm going to have to make that decision of whether or not to replace it. And I just Ugh. don't know what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> when I bought mine, I'll give you numbers here. I remember these 2006, I was looking all over in the central boilers, which are like the popular ones, at least around here. They're real big, man. They're about the size of like a porta john maybe like two of them that size. Yep. They were like $15,000. And even then I was thinking, that's too expensive, man. I could heat my house, you know, and not have to do anything for how many years. Uh, but the Hardy, the Hardy, I got it for $5,000. Nice. And I, I, dad and I installed it ourselves. I had a neighbor dig the trench and we did everything. And it was $5,000. And we had it paid off into halfway through our third season of heating this this house wow yeah so our return on investment you know it, it has more than paid for itself yeah yeah same yeah. here i think yeah. when when we built our house everything i think the woodmaster 4400 installed everything hooked up ready to go i think it was just over like nine thousand. but now if i were to replace that i think i'd be looking at like 20 Oh my gosh. They are, <laughs> gosh, you know, I would always, I, and I'm going to do a video and I talk frankly about these things because they're not for everyone. If you have neighbors, <laughs> I would probably say no. Um, if you want to keep them your friends, I would say no, because you try to account for the prevailing winds in the winter time, but you know how it is. That wind oh, blows yeah. every direction it wants to. And They'll, I'll look out and that's just blowing right onto the neighbor's house. And our neighbors live pretty far away from us. Um, if you have neighbors, I would say no. If you travel in the wintertime, I would say no. If you are not into firewooding and chainsaws and mess, I would say no. <laughs> you know, and then the big mistakes that I made, uh, I put mine in the correct spot, but there's no way to get to it in the wintertime if I needed to bring in more wood. Because it's oh, surrounded, yeah. it's surrounded by mud. It's well off the driveway, <laughs> you know. 
Um, but you, I, you want it in a spot where I want to be able to see it through my window when I'm inside the house because the smokestack tells you what's going on. Right. You'll know right yep. away if there's a problem by looking at the smokestack. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, I've got the mind set in the right spot. And like I said, the only thing I would have, if something happens, I just have to make that decision of, you know, I'm kind of leaning towards, I think I would keep doing it because I enjoy making firewood and I always have so much of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I enjoy doing my firewood as well. And really my whole firewood business is because of my outdoor wood furnace. You know, we bought this house that we couldn't afford to heat. <laughs> and out here in the country, uh, they're plentiful. Uh, but then, you know, you start seeing, you know, and I'm probably, I'm not totally responsible with mine. If the wood fits in it, it goes in. You know, you throw in green wood and stuff, and it doesn't matter like it would if you have a chimney on your house. Uh, but, you know, it just belches smoke, and that, we know that's not good. It's not good for the neighbors. Uh, they're just very inefficient, but that's been my thing. I don't pay for my wood um, you know, but before um, I became a firewood business. Yeah. I got all my wood for free. Yep. I think if you had to pay for your firewood, it's not worth it. Do you yeah, agree? Exactly, yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. But that's what I learned. It's easy to find free firewood. Yeah. You can get yeah. a lot of it. Yeah, very easy. I've never spent a dime for my wood until I started um, you know, buying these log trucks for my firewood business. Yeah, it, but, it, you know, you, you still have to get, you have to put in the work to that's a lot process of work. it up. Yeah. yeah, it is a lot of work. There's no two ways around it. but for me, that work brought joy to my life. I enjoyed it. It it created it gave me hobbies, you know, with chainsaws and firewooding yes. and and, yeah. and log splitters. It just brought joy to my life and it still does. And um but they're not for everyone. Right. <laughs> yeah, if I ever get rid of my boiler and I don't replace it, I'll probably like three times a year be having big bonfires. <laughs> well, Just you should turn that. <laughs> yeah, you should turn that hobbyist moniker that you have and become a professional firewood sales delivery service. Ah, uh, that's I don't know. I, then there's just too many things to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have to. Wa- I I wouldn't want to have to be going to the bank three times a week. You know. <laughs> Well, I'm here to tell you, you know, if your back gets sore from feeding that furnace all the time, your elbow gets sore selling firewood from counting all those $20 bills. I know. You get your wrist is like sore from just flipping through those bills. Yeah. (laughs) It's a tough job. I'm here to tell you. I know. I know. All right, Dan. Well, what do you say? Let's um, strike up the band and maybe I'll go out and fire up my furnace today. But if I do, I'm making a video of it. I was just going to say, I think we should strike up the band and you should go strike up the fire in that wood port furnace, boiler, yeah. whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll have a delivery this evening, but maybe, maybe tomorrow. Oh, yes. Maybe tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dan. Well, I want to tell everyone, thank you for tuning in to the Woodhounds podcast and help making us the number one firewood podcast in the world. Oh, yeah. Each and every Wednesday, 5 a.m. Eastern, right here, your favorite podcasting platform. 
All right. So with that, Joe, I want you to stay humble, be out at your furnace, and have a great day. <laughs>